1: With 100 delicious healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N O O M.com. Grab your copy of the Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Welcome to the show. I am so happy you're here. Guys, I'm trying out a new audio setup here. So, normally I record in a studio but a lot of people who I want to interview just can't take time out of their day to come record in a studio for an hour, add on driving time with that, which in LA is like five freaking hours. Like it's just too much. So shout out to my girl, Christina Rice, who showed me how to get this whole setup going. And now I'm mobile and I'm going to people, but I just always want to check in and make sure everything is good on your end. Everything sounds good on my end, but you know there's nothing worse than shitty audio. I said it, okay? Do you hear me, Oprah? Oprah, if you're listening, like I really think you could get to the next level if your super soul conversations were a little more clear, just saying. Anyway, I want to preface this episode by saying that talking about beauty procedures and surgery and the things I've personally done is a little bit tricky for me. Not because I want to hide it because it's actually the opposite. I'm very open about it, but because I don't want to be encouraging anyone who feels badly about themselves or is much younger to just go out and get surgery or like want to get surgery and think that that's like the solution. So it can be kind of a delicate subject. That said, I think we emphasize in this episode that there are so many options out there and that if your desire to enhance yourself isn't coming from a place of trying to fix the way you feel inside, then by all means, go for it. So that's the key. And then Jen and I realized that after we wrapped recording, we left out the most important thing of all, which is happy people are the most attractive people. I'm going to say it again. Happy people are the most attractive people. I think we can all agree now. I'm sure we all know like beautiful people who are just not very nice. And it really kind of like takes it down a notch, right? I'm going to add on another layer to that and say that like I like myself the most and I like what I see in the mirror the most when I am like useful and doing a lot for other people so I can look the exact same day to day and I can not like what I see one day and then I can be like a really good person another day and like myself I mean it's really like the colored glasses that we're like seeing the world through right so um there's a lot of inner work that comes into play in how we see ourselves um anyway okay So this episode is near and dear to me because I adore Jen, she's helped me a lot, she's super smart and insightful. This episode is jam-packed with information and I really think you guys are going to love it. Okay, so a little bit about Jennifer Hollander. She is a board-certified nurse practitioner with nine years of experience working in both clinical and cosmetic dermatology. She is the nurse practitioner over at Dr. Ben Talley's office in Beverly Hills, which is where I have had procedures done, which we'll talk about in this episode. She is there. She's at the Aura Spa Healing Center, which is part of his practice, and she is just amazing. So I hope you enjoy the episode. All right. So I'm here with Jen Hollander. Welcome. Thank you. So excited to be here with you. So excited that you're here. So I wanna just start by talking a little bit about what you do. So if you can tell everybody. Yeah, so I am an aesthetic
0: nurse practitioner. Um, I am trained to be a family nurse practitioner, kind of like your internist. Um, If you can't see your doctor, you see your nurse practitioner. Um, I chose to work in um, clinical and cosmetic dermatology, and now I work in aesthetics and plastics. And um, I kind of segued from being a bedside nurse and then went and got my master's degree. And, you know, I specialized in derm because it was always something that I really struggled with growing up. And in helping people, this was always something that I wanted to do at some point in my life after being a bedside nurse. So, um, you know, it's been about a little over 10 years that I've been working in this industry and working in plastics has kind of been the crescendo for me because it's just a whole different height of you know, looking at the face and analyzing and things like that. So. so how long have you been working in plastics? Um Let's see. So it's been since 2017. So it's just been a couple years. Okay. Three years.
1: Cuts. Well, so I met you through Dr. Talley, mm-hmm. who has done all my work. <laughs> you choose um, so there's well. been a lot, <laughs> um, but you are so amazing at what you do. Thank and you. I love that. Um, You know, you're also a proponent for like a healthy lifestyle and you've gone through your own issues yourself, Mm -hmm. so you can really relate to, I think, the patient on that level and that's so important. So we have so much ground to cover today. So we're going to try to do this in like an organized fashion. And we got a lot of questions from listeners and followers and all of that. So um, we'll do our best to get to all of those. Okay, great. So can you just talk a little bit about what issues you had? Because you have like glowing, beautiful skin. It's flawless. I
0: have to say what I've encountered working in this industry is that the people who experience the most adversity with their skin... Look incredible today because they take their they they take care of their skin so um, diligently, and it's because it's this traumatic experience that you never want to have to go through again, and it typically happens around the worst time of your life, which is when you are a teenager between the ages of 15 and 18 or 19, which is when um, you know fitting in and uh, image is everything, and um, it was. I just, I remember not really having any hope for my skin and also having like zero self-esteem and like dating. And, you know, my girlfriends had like the most beautiful, flawless skin. They could go to bed at night with their makeup on and wake up the next day with like perfect skin. And here I was doing everything possible. And I was not somebody who wanted to go on Accutane. You know, there's all this misinformation about Accutane. It's a miracle drug. And I always want patients and families and parents to make informed decisions, make sure that you're going to the right person and getting all the inf- accurate information before you make any choices. Um, I It took me four years to finally go on Accutane. I was kind of like at my end. And everybody has this idea about Accutane causing like depression. I was actually depressed right. with my horrible skin. And that's what I usually see with my patients and my teens. They're more depressed coming in with their face. And once their skin starts to clear up, they feel amazing. There's this whole of person that comes out that hadn't, you know, existed before. Mm-hmm. So it changed my life. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, uh, today when I see patients, you know, and we're kind of in a, in a place right now where people want to do things more holistically and mm-hmm. kind of get away from you know antibiotics and Accutane and medication, I totally respect that. And thankfully, I'm educated enough to be able to help people non-medically, meaning using, um, skincare treatments and acne protocols and really understanding the pathophysiology behind acne. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I've also been trained to treat ethnic skin types, which is also a population that's just like completely, you know, untapped and, and not really utilized with, with providers. So, mm-hmm. um, did I answer your question? <laughs> yes, you did. And
1: there's a lot to unpack there. So I just, in my head, I have one of the questions that somebody asked me on Instagram and they asked what causes acne. And I thought at the time, like, okay, that's such a loaded it is. question because it can be different for everybody. It can be hormonal. It can be Thousand related percent. to your gut. It can be yep. related to your lifestyle. Um, but can you, I mean, in all the years that you've been doing this, what is the most common reason that you've seen if there is one. So there's different types of acne that
0: you can have. You just have like regular, um, you know, pustular acne that's maybe, you know, taking over like 25 to 50% of your face. And then you have like the cystic acne, which is the one that leaves acne scarring. And that's the ones that I'm usually a little bit more aggressive about. Um, but yeah, it can, you know, depending on if you're male or female, you know, with women, it's a little bit more complicated because like you said, hormonal shifts can cause, um, you know, uh, surges of acne typically around the periods. Women get horrible flares. Um, also the amount of oil that your skin is producing. So people who are typically very oily tend to produce, um, uh, more acne as well as, um, dairy. I don't mm-hmm. know if you knew, but dairy can actually cause... I've taken men off of dairy and that literally wiped out 50% of their acne. Really? Yeah, men more yeah, than it women. it can be powerful. Pot can cause really? acne formation. I did not know I that. I can't recall if it's the indica or the sativa strain, but one of the two causes Um, oil production in the skin. Interesting. Yes. So I always ask patients, you know, um, especially here in LA, (laughs) exactly (laughs) California, you know, we're all like (laughs) smoked out here. So, um, so, so those are the, some of the things um, that can um, that can cause acne, and of course, P. acne is which is the bacteria that forms acne. So, people who are, you know, maybe not cleaning their brushes properly or not very hygienic, that's a contributor. I don't think that would be the cause. Clogs in the skin, like I said, again with oil. People who aren't exfoliating properly, not using any retin A, that's more the really conservative type of acne. But mm-hmm. the cystic stuff is happening from the inside,
1: right? Yeah, I, you know, my experience with it has pretty much been that 95% of the time it's what's going on inside Mm -hmm. me, even though you want the answer to be something that you're doing topically or like your makeup, you know, brushes or your skincare routine. And so everyone seems to go there first when really it's like, at least in my experience, it's Mm -hmm. been gut, it's been hormones, it's been toxins and all of that stuff. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on like birth control and acne going back to the teenager. You know,
0: I, again, I really try to stay away from things like birth control. I'm not really a fan of birth control other than for birth control. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Unless you really have to take it for birth control purposes. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I feel like there's other treatment modalities that you can utilize without having to affect your cycle. Right. And I feel like anytime you're taking hormones. I don't know. I just, I'm not a really big fan of
1: it. Um, Do you know Dr. Jolene Brighton? No. Oh my God. She's amazing. She came on my podcast. She has a book called Beyond the Pill. Uh And it's all about basically like what we don't learn because most women and like even myself, I didn't really understand how my period worked and how the birth control pill worked until I had her on my podcast and she's like you shouldn't have to go to medical school to Mm -hmm. understand how it works and you know she has all these women like I wasn't put on it for a birth control I was put on it for my skin at 14 years old and it worked right but then like to what effect to what end you know it's so detrimental to your health and then you go off the birth control pill and then you have post birth control and it all comes back so like what is that saying there's something else there Exactly. You're
0: kind of covering up this mm-hmm. other issue. So you're just like, I mean, a lot of Western medicine is like that. Not to say that Western medicine isn't amazing. It is. But I she just says in of, the doctor's office. <laughs> no, listen, I subscribe to both. Yeah. And I think that like the whole integrative approach is really the future of medicine. Yeah. With regard to birth control, I just kind of feel like it, you know, it's curing one issue, but can be causing another issue down the line. And, you know, we can put patients on spironolactone and on birth control and things like that to mitigate some of the androgenic effects from... Um, hormones and which mm-hmm. cause an ac- can cause acne as a result. Um, but I guess it all depends on the severity, you know, it's, there's not a cookie cutter approach to every single patient who walks in here right. and that's what the assessment's all about. And that's what the whole, you know, history taking is all about. And, you know, I have prescribed spironolactone and I have prescribed Accutane and in some cases that's exactly what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Is it my go-to? No, but, you know, you really have to see how the patient is presenting and what their needs are and kind of go from there. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I'm without the education that you have just through my own research. Like yeah. I also um, try to stay away from just taking a pill or something, but mm-hmm. um you knew, like I was getting really bad acne a few months ago and I did have gut issues going on, but I was at that point, like the breaking point where I was like, give me the fucking band aid. Like just put me on birth control. And luckily someone directed me to Dr. Brighton. That's how I first found her. But I did end up going on spironolactone and mm-hmm. it really helped. Oh for sure. Sh- for really sure helped. For sure. So I mean I talked to her about it and she's like, Well yeah, it's like a it's just kind of another band aid. But it's like a lesser evil, I think. right? I mean, it's you know, spironolactone is actually a
0: diuretic. Mm-hmm. And off-label, it's been shown to decrease the androgenic effects of right. the body, and so we do it in smaller doses for patients, mm-hmm. and it and it works beautifully. Yeah. Um. So I'm totally not against that at all. It's just to your point, you know, uh, the only reason why it took me four years to finally go on the Accutane is I was at my end too. give me anything because Mm -hmm. what I'm experiencing right now is not better than the risk of what, you know, is in my head, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, I'm glad I did it. I wish I didn't hadn't waited as long as I did because, you know, acne scarring is a lot harder
1: to treat than the acne itself, Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. So let's talk about that. So when is it time? I know that Whenever you have somebody come in, you really look at their whole lifestyle and you mm-hmm. put together a really customized plan. And that includes products and mm-hmm. probably some more aggressive treatments. Mm-hmm. So, when, for anybody who's listening who might have acne or acne scarring, when is it time to do something more aggressive, like a laser, right. peels? Right. So, um, you know, first thing first,
0: we do talk. If they still have active acne, we treat that first mm-hmm. because you could be somebody who has scarring. And active acne, mm-hmm. and the um, some people come in and 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 I think they've had consults in other places, and they already have a plan in their mind of how it's going to go down, and they think that they could treat the scarring while they're actively breaking out, and actually that's a huge mistake. You always want to treat the underlying issue first. Treat the acne once the oil has been cleared, then you can start you know hitting it with you know deep chemical peels and resurfacing lasers like CO2 and things like that. So let's just say somebody's come in and they, you know, we've already cleared their acne. Then we start doing things depending on the severity of the scars. Like for instance, I had a gentleman come in about a month ago and he has really, he's such a handsome guy, but he has like the worst pitting acne scars on his temples and his forehead and it really bothers him and on the back of his neck. And um, we're actually going to be doing a blue peel with him. And I'm going to be posting his before and afters. And he's super excited about it. Is this one that turns your face blue? You are you me literally it? like blue man group blue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For how long? You, like for 24 hours. Okay. And then like once you wash it off, then it becomes kind of this like brownish, grayish, bluish hue. Um, Lovely. But it is intense. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are going very, very deep. It's a resurfacing peel. Um, But it's very effective and it's one of like the gold standards for treating severe acne scarring. Um, Will it get rid of it 100%? I want to make sure everybody's listening when I say this. (laughs) Acne scarring will not go away 100%. The most improvement you're going to see is 35 to 40% maximum. Anybody who tells you otherwise is lying to you. Um, I see a lot of patients coming in here with unrealistic expectations about their scarring. And that's like the first mistake. So if I can do better than 40%, hallelujah, I'll be very happy about that. But I like to kind of aim low. And, you know, most of the time people are pretty
1: surprised with what what can be done. So I think that's so smart, though, because especially now you see you're inundated right on social media about like this laser that i'm not gonna name names but we're just talking about one um i've fallen for it like there's really clever marketing and um and it's everywhere and so i think people probably have really unrealistic expectations it's not fair it's not fair and
0: yeah i i I really subscribe to being really direct very honest because i'm a consumer as well and i would Mm. not appreciate if somebody sold me on like a 3500 five hundred dollar procedure and i got like nothing
1: bad, Right. So. so I'm curious with when you cleared your acne up, did you have acne scarring? I often? sure did. So I how been, did you get rid of it?
0: Right. So, uh, I'm not, I'm 38 now. I've been working on my acne scars since I was 19 and it has been years in the making. <laughs> so, and even now I put myself under a certain lighting, can still see my scars, they're still there. Mm-hmm. But do they bother me like they did before? No, they're a lot softer. Mm-hmm. And so what did I do? You know, at the time I was doing chemical peels, I was doing um micro needling. Uh it really wasn't until I moved to LA that I started doing more aggressive things besides chemical peels and retin A. Retin A is a beautiful thing. Retin A is the gold standard for anti-aging. And it really helps to chemically exfoliate the skin, which gives the appearance of um, softer scars as well as decreasing pore size by way of, you know, uh, minimizing the oil production in the skin so are we talking prescription retin-a I would say so my go-to okay. is a 0.1% cream okay um, creams are always more tolerable than gels and the 0.1% is the strongest one now if you're somebody who has like rosacea or e- uh, eczema or somebody who's very very like sensitive we probably do something like a retinol or maybe even skip that all together and do like alumera treatments a, like an acid type treatment and mm-hmm. you know uh, like on a regular basis but um, uh, Tretinoin is definitely my go-to, um, to minimize the scarring. And then when I moved to LA, I started doing like playing with micro needling and, and it wasn't until about, I don't know, three and a half years ago that I started playing with CO2 and Fraxel and things like that. um, And then tightening treatments like Profound, you know. um, All of that over time Mm -hmm. helped to change my skin. And I say this because it's not a one and done thing. A patient posted today about her acne journey with me. And she was saying that like some days are better than others. Some
1: days you kind of feel like you're back at square one. It's not a linear thing. Yeah, I saw that. You know. I was like, yes. I know. Because people don't really talk about that. Nothing is linear. I feel like healing from anything is, and, and nothing worth, achieving or attaining right it's not linear you have to go through and then you appreciate it more what goes slow Mm -hmm. usually stays yeah so yes yeah i love that so what other products should people be using besides retin-a okay so just for the general public forget about
0: acne for a second acne definitely everybody tretinoin and of course silver I love silver. Um, silver is like an antimicrobial. It helps. kind of like a toner that I have patients use to prevent uh, P acne. F- uh, and do you f- like a spray? Yes. Okay. Um, so with regard to what everybody should be on, um, everybody should be using a vitamin C serum. Um, you know, it has, it has like an E oil in it. You know, for acne patients, I probably just go with something that doesn't have any oil in it. But everybody should be on a vitamin C and a sunscreen. Very simple stuff. There's a lot of hope in a bottle out there. Mm -hmm. And these few core products are the only things that will help to slow down your aging. Nothing will reverse your aging with the exception of surgery. And that's it. (laughs) 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 It's all false. Yeah. So, So vitamin C, SPF. Um, kojic acid, things like that, um, tretinoin, and maybe some lightening creams for some some pigment. And, you know, I think some of the peptides that are out there work. I really love Definage, um, which helps to stimulate your own stem cell production. Elastin is also a line I really like um, that helps to develop uh, hyaluronic acid, elastin, fibrin, things like that in the skin. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of it. Do you like hydro...
1: I do I do I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right No, you're right you're absolutely right
0: um I do not on long-term use just Mm. because it can actually cause dyschromia in the skin when used or sorry it can cause like um discoloration in the skin um with long-term use um especially in the higher percentages I usually stay at about a four percent okay um so what I'll have patients do is do like a pulse like of tretinoin and maybe a lightning cream, depending on what we're treating. If, you know, for we're treating um, melasma or, you know, any t- other type of sun damage or pigmentation in the skin, it's usually on a protocol or regimen for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And then thereafter, you know, I just keep them on retin-A and sunscreen and kojic acid and things like that.
1: Simple. Simple. Simple, I simple. It. I feel like people, sometimes myself included, I try to keep it simple, but you're right. Like, there's it's so saturated now with so many promises in a bottle, and everyone's like posting their 15 step morning and night routines. And well, we want to rationalize, yeah. we want to rationalize the reason to buy all of mm-hmm. these things.
0: And if you break down the world, rationalize, it's rational lies. It's <laughs> rational lies. <laughs>
1: so, so, that.
0: so, you, you know, as much as I do, you know, you come into the aura spa and there is a, m- a bunch of different products that I've had here. And anything that I bring in, I always—you know—the reps hate me. I always try it on myself first. It takes me a few weeks. I let the staff try it first, and if I see an improvement, I take a selfie. You know, if I see an improvement, then maybe I'll carry it. But mm-hmm. these products have worked over the years that I've been working in this industry for a whole slew of different types of patients, and they seem to do really well, and patients are happy with them. Um, but if you ask me what my core core products are. It's what I've already mentioned, mm-hmm. and that's what's been clinically proven over and over to actually show a difference in
1: the skin. And you guys carry, like, SkinCeuticals, We right? do. I
0: really love SkinCeuticals. We carry almost the entire line. Um, we also carry, um, you know, the Elastin line. We carry Obagi. I love mm-hmm. Obagi. Their new derm system is very, very good for um, any type of pigmentation. I prep a lot of patients prior to resurfacing lasers, any type, like, before surgery, patients get prepped. hmm um, we also carry, um, the revision line and LTMD and I mean, we have a bunch of different stuff here. Mm. Um, but they're all like, you know, I, I feel like they've, all, patients have been very, very happy with them and they've all really worked well for me. Yeah.
1: So. Obagi is like pretty old school, right? I remember is, my mom doing the the it and she and has true. flawless skin. She, you go through a period of, yeah the ugliest, right? <laughs> <Kind of. laughs> but when you do the new derm, yeah, yeah. you definitely do. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't carry
0: the entire new derm line here just because I don't I don't I don't use all of it. Um, but I use parts of it and it's it's I don't know, it's just like over and over, it's just giving me really, really great outcomes.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's switch to anti-aging. Yeah. What are some things that we can do lifestyle-wise Love to it. prevent aging since Love it. It's the inevitable. (laughs) You know what?
0: I've I've been posting more about this um, on my Instagram. You know, a lot of my content is injectables and skin and all that stuff. And I started talking more about what's happening for me in my life and how I integrate anti-aging. And lifestyle is 50% of it. What you eat, how you sleep, how you stress, all of those things make a huge impact in your skin. At least it does for me. Things manifest differently for different people. For you, it's through your gut. For me, it's through my skin. Mm -hmm. And I see a difference in myself when I don't get enough sleep, when I'm stressed out, um, if I've had too much alcohol during the week, it all shows up in my face. So what I tell patients is how you eat, what's your nutrition like, um, do you smoke cigarettes? The fastest way to make yourself look very old. The sun is also a huge ager, and like alcohol. I'm not talking about a glass of wine here, but tying one on every night, (laughs) martinis up the wazoo. You're preaching to
1: the choir. I got (laughs) sober at 28, and I smoked a pack a day. Yeah, baked myself in the sun, no sunscreen, drank, you know, for 10 years straight. So when I got sober at 28, I remember seeing a photo of myself, like outside. It was very un you know, aggressive light. But I looked like I was, no offense to anyone who's 40. <laughs> I looked like a haggard 40. And I was like, oh In my your God, like who is this something. person? And yeah. I was like, boop, 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 Dr. Tally." <laughs> it's,
0: it's unbelievable how yeah. different, um, it's crazy. you know, patients have reported to me, actually, I just recently had a patient who I did a profound tightening treatment with. And when we did her consultation, you know, I asked her about, you know, do you smoke? And she said, yes. And I was just so taken aback mm-hmm. because it's like, 2000 yeah. uh, 2020 and i'm like who smokes anymore you it's know it's kind of shocking right <laughs> it is well in the states or at least in california you go to europe and it's like yeah uh, 1990 still i don't know yeah. but but it's so crazy with all the information that we have forget about like cancer and everything but like it ruins your whole your teeth your yeah. face everything and that's the first people look at is your teeth when they right. look at you and they smile they see your teeth yeah anyway <laughs> i digress but um with regard to the um the lifestyle so the smoking the alcohol um what you eat mm-hmm. and then of course sunscreen 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 i have like 17 year olds that come in here and ask me about anti-aging <laughs> and they want to talk about botox <laughs> and all that stuff and, of course, I will never do it, um, not at 17, and because they don't have a single line on their face. But what I do tell them <laughs> is chill out on the alcohol mm-hmm. and start wearing sunscreen. And then I start giving them some vitamin C, and I give them a few different things to help to kind of um, – Help their skin glow a little bit more and kind of get them involved with like anti aging. And, you know, their parents, their moms, the aunts, everyone, they're all doing it already and right. they want to start getting involved. And it's become such a focal point in social media yep. that more and more teens are actually coming in. And asking me about anti-aging is actually that's kind of
1: crazy. funny. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> oh is. Oh, so, my God. So we
0: give them the baby version, you know, like yeah. sunscreen, um, a really good vitamin C serum. I even tell them, okay, start getting a good eye cream for yourself.
1: That's They harmless. probably all want to look like Bella Hadid and like- Completely. P.S. That's not Botox. <laughs> no, it's not. Like some of it is actually filters
0: which that's something that's a whole nother issue. Right. You know? Photoshop filters. Oh my God, these filters are making my life yeah. so much harder. You have no idea. Because people are coming in having these requests that are so unrealistic. It is so non-reality. And like half of the consultation is spent like trying to explain to them this is a non-reality.
1: Well, for surgeons too, I'm sure. <sighs> I mean, I've read articles about... <laughs> doctors who have patients come in and want to look like their Snapchat filter <laughs> because it shortens your face a little and makes you a little plumper and your cheekbones are higher and your lips are fuller and oh your eyes God. are bigger and they're like, that's what their reference is. It's crazy. Can I just say, um, there is something, you know,
0: it's not until you leave LA and you go visit a place like Europe, for instance, yeah. and you look around and you see how beautiful the variation of different faces look. Mm-hmm. OK, now that's not to say and I'm, you're talking to somebody who's actually experienced procedures herself. So it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm over here and just saying like everybody go natural, you know, granola. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that variation and embracing your ethnicity and how you look is a beautiful thing. Now, if you're starting to lose volume and you're getting marionettes and nasolabial folds and all that stuff, absolutely treat it. But to change the anatomy of your face to look more Mm cartoon-like and uncharacteristic is very weird.
1: Well, and everyone is kind of going for the same exact aesthetic. And I actually saw a post of yours from a while back that was, I think, Christy Turlington Yeah, when she was younger. And you were like, this is – she had asymmetries, but she's beautiful. She's stunning. And like if – if she were in today's standards, like, I mean, everyone is trying to do the lift and the this and the and everyone's like trying to look like a Kardashian. Oh, she's gorgeous. She's I mean, stunning. you look at that photo oh and God. like one eyeball, she looks a little bit like, she looks
0: like she has a little <laughs> bit like uh, strabismus, like her eyes going in one direction, the other one is, she's stunning. Yeah. Like you look at her and the thing is, we never want to look at the face and aim for symmetry. Mm-hmm. Symmetry is not your friend. Flow is your friend. Mm-hmm. So when you cut the face down in half, if you take like Tom Cruise, for instance, and you cut his face in half, he is so asymmetric. Yeah, but he's he kind flows. of curved, right? He flows. <laughs> so, he's kind of curved. Yeah. But he flows really well. Mm-hmm. And he's aesthetically pleasing to the eye. And I feel like that which is exotic is attractive. Mm-hmm. Things that are like homogenous, everything is the same. It's boring. It's flat. It's not exciting. Yeah so that's just my aesthetic that's my opinion it doesn't mean that it has to be you know the truth or everyone else's but that's kind of the way i approach aesthetics so Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and same with dr talley and that's what i really like about you guys is that you're not trying to make anybody look like someone different it's just to like enhance and make you look like a better version of yourself or more balanced version of yourself um even like I was talking to a girlfriend about this last night about how much pressure there is here and we're kind of in this bubble and especially with social media and everybody is trying to look the same and who can be prettier you know and it's like this constant comparison but even like I've been spending a lot of time in New York still a coastal city but it's a very different aesthetic there and um, and it's just interesting because I go there and I'm like oh wow like I even feel a little bit extreme there because <laughs> everybody's like the no makeup, and but everybody they don't look the same. They like look it's different. very refreshing. Yes, yeah. people
0: look different. There's variation. You can yeah. like you can actually see like cultures and ethnicities right. and different
1: like hairstyles, and yeah, it's yeah. more colorful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so when it's time for injectables, yeah, let's clarify something for everybody because I think a lot of people. A lot of people know the difference, but a lot of people mix up Botox and filler and think they're kind of interchangeable. Totally. So. <laughs> so can you just kind of break down and discern for everybody what the difference is? Yes. Um, it's actually really funny. I was in San Francisco visiting my parents
0: and my dad made a comment about one of my mom's friends and said she has too much Botox in her face. And it was this definitely like filler, basically. Right. <laughs> um, so Botox is or Botox to support. Um, you know, Juvo. these are some of the most common ones that we see on the market right now. Um, they are neuromodulators, so they're muscle relaxers, think of them that way. Um, so they get injected into the muscle of the face to help with, um, you know, dynamic lines. So on the forehead, between the eyes, around the eyes, things like that, those are the most traditional areas that are treated. So for wrinkles, essentially. Um, filler is to, you know, we use hyaluronic acid gels here. um, And we use it to volumize areas of volume loss. As we age, um, you know, you know, after the age about 30, you lose about 1% of total volume in your face, that's fat, bone, and collagen, um, and muscle, actually 1% every single year. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: <laughs> I knew that things started falling when I, when I turned 30. I tell everybody that and they're like, oh, you're crazy. I'm like, no, no. Things started, they just changed. started falling. They started drooping. Yeah. I mean, when you're a baby, you know, just think of it like
0: this. You've got these like tight little you know, you've got this tight little full face and as you age, kind of like a puzzle piece, they start to kind of separate, these pads start to separate like islands. And that's when you start to get, you know, the nasolabial folds and, you know, the temple hollowing and the volume loss around the eyes. Um, and it can really alter the entire appearance of the face and can be very aging. And you start to get things like shadowing in the face. So to answer your question, um, when's it a good time to start doing injectables? I'll start with the Botox. So I tell patients until you start to see observable dynamic lines in the face, dynamic meaning lines that you have um, at rest, even when you're not animating, that's when it's time to start doing some Botox. I kind of like a little bit of smile lines around the eyes for women. Um, well, men, it's like a whole ball ballgame. Nice. But with women, I like to have a little bit around the eyes because it looks natural. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it looks like you have a personality. <laughs> people who completely freeze their face, A, it looks super fake. And the older you are, it looks even more fake because people who are younger can pull that off more than, right. you know, anybody over the age of 30, I would say. Right. So when they have lines at rest... Um, Uh, so in the forehead, oh, definitely the ones in between, like you get the furrow. So you always look really angry and like, that's definitely something I've had women come to me and say, I just don't want to look angry anymore, you know? So Mm -hmm. we treat those lines, but usually I start to see women around like 29, 30, I'll have girls come in in their mid twenties and they say to me, listen, you know, um, I heard about like doing Botox as a preventative measure and that's a hundred percent true. Now, if a girl came in that's very young, early 20s, uh, late teens, something like that, and she wants to come in and start doing things preventatively, if the girl has dynamic lines at rest, I will treat her. Okay. Like strong lines. I'm not talking about superficial little wrinkles. Mm -hmm. If she has very, very fine, light, superficial wrinkles... I'll offer her some retin A first. Mm-hmm. I may even do a glycolic acid peel on her. I'll do things to help to soften the lines to not have to do something like Botox right. quite yet for her. Okay. Um I don't want her to have to feel so conscious about herself so early on mm-hmm. in her life. Um there's other things that you can do. Yeah. Um filler. Um oh and then on the other end of it, you don't want to do it too late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have women coming in or men coming in and they're like Oh my God, like I did the Botox and just they're still there, these lines. Well, they're there because you now have grooves in the face and no amount of Botox is going to get rid
1: of them hundred percent. So now we have to resort to filler. I'm laughing because <laughs> my <laughs> husband is twice my age yes. and he's, he's never done anything. And I took him to the dermatologist for like a skin issue, yeah. but he does Botox too. Yeah, yeah and he was like why don't we just do like a little here and here and he's like he will not do it because he thinks he's gonna look pulled back (laughs) and like one of these (gasps) beverly hills over you know stretched women and i'm like you are so far beyond that (laughs) right right right. it's so far gone like like it's not even if you tried it wouldn't happen for you it's so funny well so
0: like for men I feel like men, I, I treat a lot of men and I love treating men.
1: Mm. They're just so easy. They're, They're so, so lucky.
0: <laughs> they are lucky because you know they what? They
1: so much better with age. They do. <laughs> and you know what?
0: It's more acceptable socially yeah, and publicly. And they respond so much better to treatment for some reason than hmm. women do. Like, <laughs> Really? They look amazing. Yeah. yeah. Especially when I do like skin treatments with them. Mm. They just respond so much faster for some reason. Anyway. <laughs> Fillers. So volume loss. Um, Fillers are kind of amazing because it's an immediate gratification, and they can make you. <sighs> okay, they're an immediate gratification, and they they can really shave years off of your face mm-hmm. with a very little amount. For an example, um, under eye filler. Um, you know, if you're not a candidate quite yet for like a surgery, like a blepharoplasty, for instance, and you're a pretty good candidate for something like under eye filler. It can change your whole face. It can make you look more delicate. It can make you look more refreshed, rested, and it can last anywhere from six to 12 months, depending on, you know, how you metabolize it. And it's totally safe. It breaks down on its own time. If you don't like it, it's totally reversible. All the gels that we use here are reversible. Um, I think doing small amounts over time is definitely the way to go. Mm-hmm. Overvolumizing the lips is probably the <laughs> most common thing that I treat here are lips. Everybody wants big lips. Yeah. And I think that New York East Coast aesthetic is completely different than West totally. Coast. Totally. Girls ask for different things on the West Coast mm-hmm. than they do on the East Coast. Yep. So here I get a lot of lips <laughs> and I have to talk patients down sometimes <laughs> and explain to them and show them. And most of the time people are like, oh, no, 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 I really want to look. We're, we're kind of moving away from that whole fish
1: yeah. lip type of vibe. I and feel like that peaked, like we're, or we're at the peak right now and people yes. are kind of like, they're starting to see, you know,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I, you'll see
0: on my social media, I post a lot of 90 supermodels mm-hmm. because that is my aesthetic. Yeah. I love 90 supermodels. <laughs> they are so beautiful and, and not by today's standards. Right. You see some of the 90 supermodels like Italian or uh, Nigerian they're like no big deal. You know, today they're like a no big deal. Right. But back then they were everything because that was, they were natural. Yeah. They were natural striking beauties. So what I try to emulate, um, in my aesthetic is the same features, soft, delicate, natural. And that's why I get along with Dr. Talley so well. I love his aesthetic. It's very, very, uh, much the same that I practice and, Um, and I patients really do appreciate that. I think that we're definitely going more in that direction. So,
1: okay. But let's talk about like overfilling. Yeah. So I think sometimes, um, and you would know better than I do, it's more appropriate, especially when there needs to be a lift or something. Mm -hmm. There are other methods to achieving that, right? Where a filler can kind of exacerbate it and make it look worse. So, you know, I'm thinking of, Like a lip lift, for example, Mm -hmm. and I talk about it all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the best things I did because I was—I didn't even know that it existed Mm -hmm. when I started getting filler and all of that. And so, I was trying to achieve something with my lip that just would not happen. I want—you know—I had a very straight across thin line, and I was just filling it and filling it and filling it. And I had so much in there. I had like the the Simpsons thing like where it was like if you look at my pictures go in the computer after and look at my before picture it was just it was so bad um right, right. and and now I barely do any filler you do a little bit when I just want to have a little more like mm-hmm. volume a and, more hydration yeah, right for yeah, sure. yeah.
0: yeah that's a really good question um so you know depending on the anatomy of your face so since you had mentioned the lip lift um lip filler uh you know it's a really hot topic right now um since there's so many different aesthetics around lips um somebody who naturally has voluminous everted lips let's take let's take angelina jolie for one second angelina jolie shows a lot of body in her lips so she came in with maybe i don't know 25% lip than she actually has and she wants to kind of accentuate her natural bot lip body Mm -hmm. she would have the most phenomenal results because she already has a lot of body in her lip Mm -hmm. if you take someone like me (laughs) for instance who my eastern european lips um, my upper lip was always very thin and long. Okay, I see my grandfather when I look in the <laughs> mirror sometimes. Um, Polish, um, Russian. Um, my lips are always have been always very flat. My bottom lip has always been fuller than the top. And when I was younger, it's a little cute, you know. Mm-hmm. But now I'm 38, and as we age, as I said earlier, like islands, are the fat pads in the face start to start to kind of migrate from one another. And the ratio between the nasal tip and the cupid's bow starts to get wider and you get a longer lip. So um, I had been doing lip filler for some time. And because of the anatomy, not Angelina Jolie, but because (laughs) of my anatomy, whenever you would fill my lips, I would project Mm -hmm. and I would get a ducky lip. I would duck out really, really quickly. That's not a good aesthetic, <laughs> especially working in my industry. And, um, you know, when I came to Ben Talley, um, I, you know, he, that's his signature is lip lifts. And when I saw it for the first time, I was like, holy smokes, this is me. This is made for me. This is my <laughs> procedure. And it's something that I, it was something that always bothered me, like s- m- my entire adult life, I mm-hmm. would say. And... Um, it took me about 10 months and, uh, about three weeks ago, I finally went for it. And And she looks so (laughs) amazing. It was so good. Best decision I've ever made. I agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) It was the best decision I ever made. And, um, I still look like me. It did not change the character of my face, Mm -hmm. but it took at least five years off of my face. It made my face look a lot cuter and my profile looks different. And I just don't feel like I look as old anymore Mm -hmm. because when I would look in the mirror and I would, you know, from here up, I felt really good. But Mm -hmm. from here down, I just felt like, wow, like the filler is going to actually make me look even older Mm -hmm. because it's going to weigh my lip down because of the anatomy of my lip. So, and the distance between my nose and my lip. Um, And, you know, my biggest worry, even working in this industry, my biggest worry was, is it going to change my face? Mm -hmm. I don't want to change my face. And, you know, I trusted him completely and I got an outcome better than I thought that was going to happen. So... um, You know, when I talk about surgeries with patients, um, you know, I'm a little bit more laissez-faire about it because I work in this industry. So it's like you become your environment, you see more. That being said, I will never recommend a surgery to a patient that I don't think they will benefit from. And if they're coming from a, like, even, you know, patients who, for instance, have, you know, laxity in the skin, for instance, and they're in their 30s, does that mean that they're not candidate for the facelift? No, they are. If they have tissue laxity in the face... They're still a candidate.
1: So you're telling me I have a chance?
0: <laughs> <laughs> now you, I don't feel that way about you. I think you look perfect the way you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm just serious. kidding. serious. <laughs> I really do. And for somebody like you who'd be concerned about it, I would probably say something like a profound thing, like a, like, a, like a radio frequency tightening thing, um, which you've done before. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes time. The only problem with these radio frequency devices, even though they're amazing, they take some time to work, um, anywhere from three to six months before you start seeing some noticeable changes. Um, surgery. It's like you're, you're' that's it. You mm-hmm. wake up one day, you wake up the next day, you're a different person. Um so it's an instant gratification, and some people really do need it, and they and they get much better bang for their buck that way. right. So if somebody's coming in and they have laxity and they have like a lot of redundancy in the skin, um, they can look they can go from beautiful to like next level, you know, with just the surgery alone. Right. And people are afraid of surgery, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. scars, you know, altering their looks renee Zellweger. sorry i'm sorry i'm just gonna say it like she's beautiful she's beautiful now she's beautiful before but she looks unrecognizable yeah okay um what do you think she did by the way she did her eyes like a blepharoplasty that's it she did her bluff i think she did a blepharoplasty that's what Mm -hmm. it appears to be but her eyes was her signature that's who she was how
1: something so simple can make such a profound Impact, right? Same with like Jennifer Grey. That was the classic, right? Okay, I am Jennifer Grey. Can I just tell you right now?
0: Like that's been like something when I was a kid, when Uh I was in like my teens. Everybody used to tell me like Jennifer Grey. Really? It was the lip. (laughs) (laughs) No, my Jennifer Grey. No, exactly. She was never casted after that. Jennifer Grey. Yeah, her nose was her claim to fame. Right. But the thing is. These uh, uh, artists are so highly scrutinized Mm -hmm. and I have so much compassion for them. And when I say Renee Zellweger or Jennifer Grey, I love these actors. They're incredible. They're beautiful. And I completely understand how difficult it must be to be underneath the microscope constantly about how you're looking, how you're aging, what you're doing. It's a lot. Yeah. Especially when it's your like livelihood. Right. Right. So, um, but going back to the whole surgery thing, um, you know, Dr. Talley he does a very different his technology is very different than what surgery in our minds and the public minds is known to be mm-hmm. downtime what you look like afterwards how it affects you all of those things have completely altered scarring um you know healing all of those things have been revolutionized mm-hmm. and so when we talk about um doing surgeries you know, people should really have a different attitude about, um, what, you know, what that means. And, you know, there's a lot of judgment around surgeries and things like that. And I think it's because of all the bad work that's out there. So it's kind of like when your husband doesn't want you to do X, Y, and Z, well, he's just seen a lot of crappy work out there. Yeah. Chuck, are you listening? (laughs) (laughs) She's not. I I get it. Like, (laughs) and and I can relate to that. You know, I wouldn't want that either for my person, but you don't know the other side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you see Jennifer Aniston, you see, you know, uh, all actors that are out there. They look really good, but they all get work done.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: They just don't, you don't know. Because and, it's the younger, work.
1: and the younger girls too, though. I mean, I think that's too. important because yeah. I have some younger listeners and, you know, I think people compare themselves to these people and think like, well, why don't I look like that? Like there's, they're getting help.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I see pictures of myself when I was 12. I look so different than the 12 year olds, did I? Oh my God. It's like I look crazy. Ridiculous. It's crazy. Like even my outfits and my face and my hair. Even like 20s. Different.
1: I mean, it's just. I know. It's, it's a whole different The
0: expectation has gone way up. Yeah.
1: I mean, could you imagine being that age and watching what these people do and post in their day to day lives? And it's all filtered and photoshopped anyway. And so, of course, you're going to compare yourself. Even as a woman in her 30s, I can fall into that trap. So, totally. I can't imagine being like, still developing. (laughs) Well, it's getting harder and
0: harder. And again, you know, we live in, like, the Mecca of, like, all of that stuff. And so, you know, I feel like we kind of do have to compete with our younger selves Mm -hmm. in a way, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I want to just quickly touch on, like, the superficiality of it and people who, you know, it's very stigmatized, Mm -hmm. I think. I think it's getting more understood and maybe more mainstream, Um, but I think there's probably also more judgment. There's a a lot of judgment. So, what do you say to people who say that, like, it's superficial and
0: shallow? Yeah, I think that judgment in and of itself should really, really be moderated. um, In any, um, in any uh, topic, Um, I think judgment is not really a characteristic that is a shining feature for any of us to have. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, a girlfriend of mine recently was just telling me that one of her good girlfriends was shaming her about Botox, but you should see her girlfriend. (laughs) I'm sorry. And you know what? She's a feminist Mm. and I don't think there's anything wrong with feminism, but I also don't think that in order to be, um, feel good about yourself and feel, uh, you know, whatever that you have to let yourself go. Mm -hmm. That's your choice. Mm -hmm. And if that's what you want to do, all power to you. Right. Because on the other end of it, I could say, You look like crap. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's like you can go one way or the other. You're doing too much Botox. Well, you look like crap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, if somebody wants to do things more natural and maybe just use topical treatments and uh, what have you, you know, facials and things like that, nothing wrong with that. Go for it. That's great. But judging somebody else for doing Botox fillers skincare treatments surgeries Mm -hmm. um i think that if it looks bad there's a cause for concern Mm -hmm. and i think that that's legitimate but when somebody looks great and then her friend asks her what oh you look really good like what have you been up to oh you know i've been seeing this new like np jen hollander she's been really hooking my face (laughs) up and then they throw judgment at you Mm -hmm. that's a projection That has nothing to do with what's happening for you. And I think that that has all to do with them. And, uh, you know, I I, I don't really have much more to say about that other than, you know, uh, people who judge others for doing things that help them look and feel better about themselves. I'm not really for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think, you know, it's so important to remember kind of what you touched on at the end. Like you look better, you feel better. I mean, they're kind of, they go hand in hand and it's like not mutually exclusive. Like, it's, like you can be a feminist and you can also care about how you look. Exactly. You, know, you can be smart and intelligent and have, you know, and also care about how you look. Exactly. Like, um, and I can attest because I've had multiple procedures um, that, you know, I, I, for me, and I don't, I can't speak for other people, but I didn't do it to fix anything. Mm -hmm. If you go into it, expecting it to change the way you feel and make you happier, um, that might be a problem. It's kind of like the motive behind it, I think. You make a really good point.
0: Mm -hmm. And I've had, and this is kind of what goes into the consultation is I definitely thoroughly assess what's happening for the patient. Mm -hmm. Are they coming here to actually like fulfill something that has nothing to do with what we're doing in the room and is actually trying to fulfill something else, mm-hmm. they're usually not a candidate for okay. treatments. And I'll tell them that, you know, um, maybe we should really go this route or this route because anything I will do, they will not be satisfied with. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and you do one thing and then you're on to the next because you're just looking for something else to fill that. Correct. But I can say that all the things that I did, <laughs> yeah. best thing, I mean, it, it did. Like of I was course. already confident to begin with. right. <clears throat> excuse me, but it just made me feel like, like more myself. Exactly.
0: No, that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, You know, uh, like I said, like we were talking about earlier, you know, when you look and feel good about yourself, that's what you project out into the world. That's what you get back. Mm -hmm. That's the experience you have in life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when people come in here and they're just, it's almost like, why is it any different than getting your hair colored? Why is it any different than when you go to the salon, you know, you go to the salon, your hair, you have grays, you know, your hair needs to get cut or whatever. You have a blowout. You walk out of there transformed. Mm -hmm. Why is it any different why is it any different than going to the gym and perfecting your physique Mm -hmm. it's the same thing but we're using gels and (laughs) neuromodulators and peels and you know scalpels sometimes
1: Mm -hmm. um i love that analogy though and i get that a lot because you know and, and i've used that before because i have an audience who's really into like bettering themselves and a lot through diet and fitness and yes it's to feel better But we also do these things for aesthetics. And I totally agree with you. It's no different. It's like, why is dyeing your hair and working out and trying to, you know, tone up or whatever? How is it any different? Fit a
0: certain goal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like anything else, if you are a junkie (laughs) at working out, Mm -hmm. it's just as bad as being a Botox junkie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, so when you're taking it too far with the aesthetics, we don't, that's not our culture here. That's not what we do. Um, We're not about that at all. I'll turn people away all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, any extremes, you know, is never a good thing. So, yeah.
1: all right. Well, let's take a couple questions. How can I take care of my skin during winter if I have to walk, face exposed to cold air, etc.?
0: So I guess um, I'm curious about, um, are we worried about like dryness? Because I know that sometimes cold or extreme weather conditions can make the skin more dry. Um, So I would definitely use, I'm not a huge fan of moisturizers. Unless your skin is poreless and extremely dry... I don't really love to prescribe moist. I don't really like to prescribe moisturizers. Um, I do prefer hydrating serums, so things like the Definage or the Elastin, things that are hydrating but are also going to promote. Um, Collagen and um, hyaluronic acid and things like that. So, um, you know, some of the lines that I really love the most are either the skin suticals, so vitamin C during the day, um, a really good sunscreen, and maybe you know if you're if you're looking for something a little bit thicker, um, then you can use um, like a hyaluronic acid gel or the elastin restorative. Um, you know, any type of uh, serum is is probably what you want to
1: go with. Okay. Um, Do threads cause scar tissue, causing problems in the future with fillers or (laughs) facelifts? That's a very interesting question. That's a fabulous
0: question, actually. Part of the reason why we do not do PDO threads here is because it does cause a type of collagenation in the skin. There's four different types of collagenation that can happen in the tissue. Um, the one that we do not like is fibrosis. (laughs) Fibrosis is a fancy word for saying scar formation. And yes, it can make it more challenging for the surgeon if you decide one day to have a facelift. Um, and you know, it's permanent. So we don't really like anything permanent apart from surgery um, that goes for sculpture too right correct so sculpture we usually reserve sculpture is not a filler um you know it's made of dissolvable sutures and it embeds onto the bone it stimulates your own um college uh, collagenesis this mm-hmm. kind of fibrosis that begins to happen i usually reserve that for patients who are extremely cachectic ex- extremely extremely thin who cannot gain weight in their face um and they're very bony and very skinny and no amount of filler. I mean, I'd have to use like so much filler to kind of give them what they need. And they usually metabolize that even very quickly. So for them, I will use Sculptra. Okay. What is the best treatment for sunspots? So um, I really like, it depends on the type of sunspot, um, anywhere from intense pulse light, photofacial. Um, I also really love clear and brilliant. Fraxel. Um Those are kind of my go-to laser treatments for sunspots. The Pico laser, it's not something we have here, but it's also been shown to be really, really effective um, with all skin types in treating brown spots. Is fat grafting better than injectable or fillers? Good question. Um, So fat, much like fillers, are unpredictable. um, In small amounts, dictated by the surgeon can be used in different parts of the face, small amounts. Um, Fat can migrate just like filler can and can hypertrophy or enlarge um, just like filler can. Well, sorry, I shouldn't say that. It can enlarge, um, but they both can migrate. Um, So it's not better necessarily, but it's kind of not encouraged to use a lot of fat um, in replacement of
1: volume in the face. You want to make sure that you see your surgeon for that okay what about fillers for under eye hollowness my fillers gave me ridges that look like huge bags it sounds like poor placement mm. that other thing that can happen also
0: aside from the placement um it, you know again all fillers have the propensity to migrate some more than others the only type of filler that should go in the under eyes are restylane Belotero,
1: not movaderm definitely <laughs> not moviderm. no it's you too tell inflammatory I've been watching Ben's oh my god it's crazy For low income, is it worth getting a facial monthly or does it need to be more regular? So it depends on your skin. Some people actually should never have a facial. Really? (laughs) My
0: skin does horrible with facials. Mm. Um, I'm acne prone. Mm -hmm. Um, Every time I get a facial, I don't care. I've been to some of the best facialists. Um, it's just not been very good for my skin. So it really depends on you. You know, there are some facialists out there that are spectacular that have done life changing work for skin. Um, usually, patients will go about once a month, once, you know, once every two to three months, depending on what you're trying to achieve.
1: Mm-hmm. If you're
0: just doing anti aging and just like, you know, a little bit of extractions and pores and stuff
1: like that, then maybe like, you know, every once, one to three months. What helps calm or reduce inflammation? on the face or in the cheeks.
0: So it depends on the type of inflammation. It sounds like you might be describing Rosacea. Rosacea is an inflammatory process. It usually shows up on the cheeks. Um, inflammation can be reduced by um, steroids. Um, I use a lot of steroids here, topical steroids and things like that. Um, inflammation is kind of a broad uh, word. It's I mean, you know acne is inflammatory, Rosacea is inflammatory, eczema is inflammatory. So it all depends on what you're treating mm mm-hmm. um,
1: okay. We do have an LED light here.
0: Oh, yeah. We have a, a light and a bed. Um, and that I love definitely that helps with inflammation.
1: Yeah. OK. I think we answered pretty much all of these. Amazing. Yeah. OK. So to close out, what is one thing? Actually, I'm going to make this a two-parter. OK. What is one thing everybody should be doing for their skin? hmm And what is one thing we shouldn't be doing? Oh. <laughs> everybody should be on a sunscreen 30 or higher
0: anything less than a 30 isn't touching you zinc what yeah titanium and zinc okay. is fine yeah um i really like the elta md because it doesn't leave that white chalky film on your mm-hmm. face um and everybody should be on a retinoid <laughs> everybody should be on a retinoid it is the gold standard for anti-aging. It's good for the skin, um, and it'll help you reduce fine lines and improve the texture of your skin. It's amazing. Um, what you should not be doing, no more washcloths. Hmm. No more washcloths. <laughs> Everybody wants to use a washcloth, okay? Stay away from washcloths and um, the Clarisonics.
1: Okay, interesting. Too
0: abrasive, Huh. Uh, the washcloths, uh-huh. and... Um, Uh, the, the Clarisonics, they are a cesspool of bacteria and fungus. And unless they're getting changed out once every two weeks apart and they're sitting out nicely to dry, which is never the case because they're usually in people's showers. Um, I hate them. I hate the strong strong word. word. Sorry. (laughs) You're passionate about that. I dislike them (laughs) because I've seen what they've done to people's skin
1: and uh how often should we be cleaning makeup brushes Mm, to that point probably like
0: once every couple weeks i know that's a little unrealistic so i'll just say once a month
1: okay all right well thank you so much for coming on i learned so much thank you i
0: just i could talk forever i know
1: you know you're so you're so smart and knowledgeable about all of this now let's go fill my face (laughs) let's do it oh my god that's so funny